This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. We'll now move into a time of scripture reading. Today's scripture reading is on 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 22 to chapter 9, verse 9. I'd like to invite Sister Carissa to read today's passage to us. Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of 1 Kings chapter 8, from verse 22 to chapter 9, verse 9. If you are using the church Bible, it will be on page 345. 345. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 22. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands toward heaven, and said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth you have promised, and with your hand you have fulfilled it, as it is today. Now, Lord, the God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said, You shall never fail to have a successor to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your descendants are careful in all they do, to walk before me faithfully as you have done. And now, God of Israel, let your word that you promise your servant David, my father, come true. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you, how much less this temple I have built. Yet, give attention to your servant's prayer and his plead for mercy, Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this temple, night and day, this place of which you said, My name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, Forgive. When anyone wrongs their neighbor and is required to take an oath, and they come and swear the oath before your altar in this temple, then hear from heaven and act. Judge between your servants, condemning the guilty by bringing down on their heads what they have done, and vindicating the innocent by treating them in accordance with their innocence. When your people Israel have been defeated by an enemy because they have sinned against you. And when they turn back to you and give praise to your name, praying and making supplication to you in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land you gave to their ancestors. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you, And when they pray toward this place and give praise to your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel. 
teach them the right way to live and send rain on the land you gave your people for an inheritance. When famine or plague comes to the land, or blight or medu, locusts or grasshoppers, or when an enemy besieges them in any of their cities, whatever disaster or disease may come, and when a prayer or plead is made by anyone among your people Israel, being aware of the afflictions of their own hearts and spreading out their hands toward this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, forgive and act, deal with everyone according to all they do, since you know their hearts, for you alone know every human heart, so that they will fear you all the time they live in the land you gave their ancestors. As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name. For they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When they come and pray toward this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your own people Israel and may know that this house I have built bears your name. When your people go to war against their enemies, wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord toward the city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their plead and uphold their cause. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and give them over to their enemies who take them captive to their own lands, far away or near. And if they have a change of heart in the land where they are held captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captors and say, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly. And if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their enemies who took them captive and pray to you towards the land you gave out their ancestors toward the city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name. Then from heaven, your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their plead and uphold their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Forgive all the offenses they have committed against you and cause their captives to show them mercy for they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out of Egypt out of that iron smelting furnace. May your eyes be open to your servants' plead and to the plead of your people Israel, and may you listen to them whenever they cry out to you, for you single them out from all the nations of the world to be your own inheritance, just as you declared through your servant Moses when you, sovereign Lord, brought our ancestors out of Egypt. When Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out toward heaven. He stood and blessed the whole assembly of Israel in a loud voice, saying, Praise be to the Lord, who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave us nor forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him 
to walk in obedience to him and keep the commands, decrees, and laws he gave our ancestors. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel according to each day's need, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. Solomon offered a sacrifice of fellowship offerings to the Lord, 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. So the king and all the Israelites dedicated the temple of the Lord. On that same day, the king consecrated the middle part of the courtyard in front of the temple of the Lord, and there he offered burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat of the fellowship offerings, because the bronze altar that stood before the Lord was too small to hold the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat of the fellowship offerings. So Solomon observed the festival at that time, and all Israel with him, a vast assembly, people from Libo Hamath to the Wadi of Egypt. They celebrated it before the Lord our God for seven days and seven days more, 14 days in all. On the following day, he sent the people away. They blessed the king and then went home, joyful and glad in heart for all the good things the Lord had done for his servant David and his people Israel. 1 Kings chapter 9. When Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had achieved all he had desired to do, the Lord appeared to him a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. The Lord said to him, I have heard the prayer and plead you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. As for you, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. But if you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I've given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I've given them and will reject this temple I've consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? People will answer, because they have forsaken the Lord their God who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why. The Lord brought all this disaster on them. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks for reading that long passage um, so well. And a very good morning to everyone. Happy New Year. Now, you just had reunion dinner, but really if you look around to your left and right, you have a great reunion dinner at the right time when the King comes. So why don't we just say Happy New Year to each other again. If you're in joy room, yeah, we can stretch your hand to the other side and do the same. Great. If you have your Bible, and I hope you have one, uh, we'll be looking at a passage um, quite a fair bit from page 345. So if you have it open for this morning, it will be great. And why don't we ask the Lord to help us? It is written that you alone know every human heart. So, Father, we pray this morning that you who know our hearts know our needs. In the midst of a busy new year for many of us, that your spirit knows what we really need. And so we speak to you and pray to you that, God, you will speak to us and help us hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, treasure hunt... I love Treasure Hunt. It's one of my favorite activities. In fact, I have to say, my children write really, really good clues when it comes to doing Treasure Hunt at home. However, to find their treasure, it requires privileged knowledge rather than just mere intelligence. We need to know how to read and interpret their poems, we need to recall the meanings of some funny words we have spoken at some point in our life together. We need to sometimes recall the characters within their storybooks to find the clues inside the books. All in all, we need a sense of good sense of humor. But ultimately, we really need to know our children to find the treasure. How about finding God. Yes, God, we say He's everywhere. He can find us wherever we are. But how do we find God? How do you ultimately reach out to God and ultimately meet Him? Now, this morning, we are given the direction that God's people can reach out to God in the temple dedication passage. So this passage shifts from the focus of the temple structure to where we can finally find God. So let's look at today's passage beginning at verse 22 of chapter 8 together. Now here is how it plays out. The temple of God is finally completed and this is the day of dedication. Now if you have a Google map and look down, the, the land of Israel looks like entrails because everyone was heading up to Jerusalem. Now, this is a special occasion. The author zooms into the most important structure of Israel. And it's not the king's palace. It is the temple of God. Now, as we zoom in further, we see the king of Israel standing before the altar and the assembly of Israel trailing all behind him, where they are one with him in spirit and in person. Now, this is a sight to be carved 
into the history of Israel. In a moment, the assembly goes from noise to a deafening silence because they saw that their king stood up and he stretched out his hand ready to pray. Now, one man is going to pray, but his prayer shall affect everyone who hears it. It's like the birth of a baby. The delivery of the temple brings in this long-awaited promise of relationship between God and God's king and God's people. The people's relationship now rests on the king's relationship with God. And as he prays, the whole assembly quiets down. Now, as King Solomon speaks, we shall quickly recognize three things within his kingly prayer. Now, the king prays for God's nature. The king prays about God's promise. And the king presents all his requests in God's temple. Now, what is so special about this temple? According to the king's prayer, we shall see that the temple shall be the most important entrance and the only entrance for the people to get into heaven. So where people can find God, can reach out to God, and can meet God. So friends, let me repeat these three uh, things that the king prays about because we too need them. If you want to find God, if you want to reach out to God, if you want to meet God, these are the three things. The king prays about God's nature, the king prays about God's promise, and the king presents all his requests in God's temple. So let's lean in now as we follow the rest of Israel and listen to the king's prayer, beginning at verses 23 to 24, as he recognizes the nature of God. Look at verse 23 with me. Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth you have promised, and with your hand you have fulfilled it as it is today. Now there is no God like the God that Solomon prays to. Not in heaven above, not on earth below. There is no God who is as merciful or loving and kind as this God that Solomon is praying to. He has taken the initiative to create us, to love us, to provide for us. And when we have rejected him, as history often points to us, he makes the first move to offer us a way back home. Now Solomon says, God makes and keeps promise as it is today. God had promised that childless father Abraham that his descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. God has promised the weary Moses that he will go with his people and bring them to the promised land. And God has promised his servant David that his son will be king and his son will build the house of God. And today, God fulfills it. There's no one like God who is faithful, who is consistent, who is generous and unchanging. Now what Solomon says is not new because he echoes 
the words of Moses that he says centuries back in Exodus 15. This is what Moses said in Exodus 15 verse 11. He says, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders, then you bring them in and plant them on the mountains of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you make for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hand establish. There they are, up in the mountains, as they gave this dedication that the Lord has established his sanctuary. So holding to the nature of God and what God has already fulfilled at this day of dedication, the king prays, for God to keep the remaining promise that he has made to his servant David. Look at verse 25 with me. It says, you said, you shall never fail to have a successor to sit before me on the throne of Israel if only your descendants are careful in all they do to walk before me faithfully as you have done. Now friends, the, the king's confidence, the king's confidence really rests on God's nature and God's promise. And with that, this prayer is based on God's faithfulness to his prayer. Now, if we, you and I, we are to pray to God, what we really need to know is how God is. We need to know God's nature and whether he has given us any promises. Because that's how we pray. And we'll think about this together in a short while. But here is a twist as we read the king's prayer. King Solomon he acknowledges that he must walk faithfully as his father David did to receive God's promise. But here's the question. How is Solomon or anyone able to walk faithfully before God? Because no one has. And the answer is found inside the temple. Verse 27, this is what he prays. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I've built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy, Lord my God. So while our world is always trying to or be tempted to string God or their gods into something that is manageable in a containable sphere, the king here acknowledged that God is so big and too big that there's nothing that can hold God, even the heavens. Yet, we can't pray because he says that the Lord, you say that my name shall be in the temple. Now, the king asked God to hear as he, as he prays in the temple, and he says to show mercy when he cries for him. Look at verse 29. He says, May your eyes be open towards this temple night and day so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. So the temple really is like this entrance. If anyone wants to get to heaven to speak to God, this is the entrance, the phone booth where the king and his people can officially call to God and he hears. No, it will not be any high places or any place that people just fancy to speak to God. But this is the entrance where God will hear. God will hear them from heaven when they look to God in his temple. And here's the thing. What is the most important prayer 
What do you pray about when you pray to God? What is the most important prayer here? Look at verse 30. He says here, Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place and when you hear, forgive. Now forgiveness, turns out, the king says, is really the crux and most important to get into heaven and be with God. It is the most urgent and vital prayer request when we come before God. Because here's the thing, that God, God is not a genie. The temple is not a lamb that you shake or rub to get your promises. The Lord and the temple, they are not this wishing well that fits and suits us. But rather... We know in the Bible that God is the incomparable creator, is the righteous and just judge. We have looked at it in the past weeks. And the prayer made in the temple in God's way is really to turn the world back to God and to have that reconciliation and union back with God. And to do that, forgiveness is the key. Forgiveness is the most urgent prayer to restore broken relationship between God and the world. And it can be done in the temple. Now, this is elaborated in the seven prayers that the king made from verses 31 to 53 that Carrie's read so well for us. There are seven prayers there, if you start counting. The significance of seven throughout the Bible really is perfection. So while there are seven prayers there, it doesn't cover every single thing. That widespread is telling us that all the prayers goes to God and He will listen. So the seven prayers that you have from verse 31 to 35, they are wide and varied from quarrels between two people and they have no eyewitness, so they must take an oath to the end where there are wars and droughts and famines and quarrels and plagues and foreigners Eventually, the whole nation was exiled that there is still prayer for them to come back to God. The king prays that God will hear from heaven and forgive his people and turn, when they turn back to God by turning to the temple. Now, he prays for justice. He prays for forgiveness. but uh, He prays for um, God's hand of rescue, but really, he is praying for forgiveness. So, I want to... Just help us to look at how many times this is mentioned. If you have your Bible, look at verse 30 onwards of chapter 8. I'm going to flip a fair bit quickly. I'll read to us, but if you have your Bible, look at it with me from verse 30 of 1 Kings 8. Verse 30 says, When they pray toward this place, hear from heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. It goes on, when, when you swear the oath before your altar in this temple, look at verse 32. He says, hear from heaven and act. And when they turn back to you, look at verse 33. It says, praying and making supplications, where in this temple, verse 34, hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel. Look at verse 35. When when drought happens because of sin and they pray towards this place, turning from their sin, verse 36, look at it, it says, Hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, teach them the right way to live. 
Or goes on verse 37, when there's famine and plagues and disasters or diseases, and they pray and plea and they spread out their hands towards this temple. Look at verse 39, it says, Hear from heaven your dwelling place, forgive and act, so that they will fear you all the time. And even for foreigners, foreigners in verse 42, when they come because they hear of your great name and they pray towards this temple, verse 43, hear from heaven your dwelling place. And when they pray to the Lord towards the city and the temple, look at verse 45, hear from heaven their prayer and their plea. And that final prayer of the seven prayers in 46, look on. And here's something that's universal now. When they sin against you, but there is no one who does not sin, and if they have a change of heart and repent and plead with you, if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul, it goes on and pray to you, to you towards the land, towards the city you have chosen, and the temple I built for your name, then from heaven your dwelling place hear their prayer and their plea and uphold their causes. In verse 50, and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Forgive all the offenses they have committed against you. Now, dear friends, the, the prayer of Solomon, if you are following on this dedication of the temple, is no doubt prophetic, and the last one about their exile and then their coming home. But really, in all of this, it is a prayer of reconciliation that people who are prone to turn away, have a way back to God. And that is true forgiveness. If they are willing to repent and turn towards the temple and pray, God, who is love, he will not leave us to self-destructions. Even as he requires obedience, he's ever willing to keep forgiving when we turn and fall so that we can keep coming back to him. Now we hear within the seven situations, their prayers for justice and blessings and, and favor, but ultimately their prayers longing for restored and renewed relationships with God. Now dear friends, the, the greatest obstacle that you and I will have to restore a relationship with God is, is really sin, isn't it? You know the word sin really is that when we turn away from God and rebel against Him, and this is what is true for all of us. Verse 46, no one is an exception. There is no one who does not sin. Now, as you and I, we celebrate Lunar New Year, we, we want a new start. We want renewed relationship. We call our loved ones who might be overseas. And we enjoy this time of reunion with family if you are someone who celebrates New Year. Now, the temple is where the Israel and the people of God can have a new start, can restart when they fail, and to have a restored and renewed relationship with the one that's most important uh, in this whole family of creation and the uncreated God who will come to us. This is how we gather. So how do we get and deal with sin? This is what the king prays, isn't it? Verse 47, look at it with me again. If they have a change of heart, and repent and plead with you, saying, we have sinned and we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly. If they turn back to you with all their heart and soul towards the temple, then verse 50, forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, dear friends, as we celebrate 
relationships and enjoy reunion this new year, the most precious relationship we need to know and need to restore and need to have is with God. Because who else is like God? Is it not with God who created us and loved us like a perfect father? And where can God's people find restoration? And in this book of Kings, it tells us the place to find restoration is the temple. Now, the temple is the place to find forgiveness. The temple is also the place that points us to faithfulness in our relationship with God. So here it is after his dedication prayer in verse 55. Solomon stands up, then he turns to the whole assembly and he blesses Israel who has been silently waiting for the king. And the king says this, look at 56, he says, Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has filled of all the good promises he gave to his servant Moses. Now, speaking about God to his people, this is what the king praises God, because he praises that God is actually the ultimate promise keeper. Are you a promise keeper? Are you good at keeping promises? Have you met someone who keeps promises perfectly, who not only are willing to keep their promise, but they are capable to keep their promise perfectly? Have you met someone like that? Are you one of those? You know, sometimes we make promise without much intention of keeping it. We say, hey, I'm going to come for this event. But you wake up in the middle of the afternoon and say, you know what, I'm really tired, so I'm just going to text and say, hey, sorry, I something on, can't make it. Sometimes we're willing, but we, we can, but we are not willing. Other times we, we tell our kids to say, I'm going to pick you up at school at 12 noon, and then there's a car accident, or the train stops, and we, we can't get there. And we fail to keep that promise. Now, many years ago, I, in Australia, I was picking up my kids because there's no public transport there. So I arrived at the, the children's school early, but... While I was waiting for the school bell to, to ring, I, I dozed off in the car. So it was crowded. I dozed off. By the time I wake up, there were no cars. So, so I rushed to the principal's office and I saw these two little kids carrying this big bag and the principal sitting next to them. And before I could say anything, one of them said, Dad, do you fall asleep? What a great way to build relationships. Are we perfect promise keepers? But Solomon says God is. Solomon quotes the words of Joshua 21, verse 44, 45, when he says this, that not one of the Lord's good promise to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. God is that perfect promise keeper. And the temple is the evidence that throughout the fickle history of Israel, that God remains faithful to all his people. And so trusting in God's nature, trusting in God's promise, Solomon gave this blessing and he said this in, in that blessing, he says that, may the Lord our God be with us. May he never leave us nor forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him to walk in obedience to him. May these words be near to our Lord God day and night. May he provide for us according to our daily needs. Now, here's the thing. If we pray to God and we know His nature and we know His promise, there's never a wishful thinking that God answers because God is a promise keeper. The question we have is, do we know God? Do we know His promises? 
And do we know how to pray to Him? For Israel on the day of dedication, that is what the king presents to the people, to know the nature of God, to know the promises of God, and to know where to pray to Him. So finally, in response to God, Solomon says this to his people, that may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God, obeying His commands as at this time. Now, dear friends, brothers, sisters, we, we must recognize that while obedience comes hand in hand with God's promise and blessings, obedience does not earn that relationship with God because God is the one who first loves us and reaches out to His people and obedience flows out of this relationship that God has offered His people. And forgiveness is one of the most important access for us to pray and ask from God even as we try to obey Him. It is sheer grace that the king called his people to be faithful in this place where they can find God's faithfulness and God's forgiveness all as they look at the temple. Now, dear friends, if we are God's people, if you are God's people, and our hearts need to be fully committed to the Lord, obeying Him, that is what the Lord asks. But we also need to remember that God is faithful and He offers ask forgiveness when we fail and we turn back to Him? Will we turn back to Him when we fail? Or do we say it's just too hard? Now 1 Kings 8 closes with that unforgettable dedication of the temple. Look at verse 62. The king and all Israel with him offer sacrifices before the Lord and the whole assembly, I love these words in 1 Kings, it's repeated in verse 66. They were joyful and glad in heart for all the good things the Lord had done. The people were happy. Happy people before the Lord. And did God answer the king's prayer? Well, as we look at the last section, verse 1 to 9 of chapter 9, the answer is God answers the king's prayer and he affirms the king's prayer. Look at Verse 1 of chapter 9, it says this, When Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, in verse 2, the Lord appeared to him a second time as he had appeared to him in Gibeon. And this is what it says in verse 3, The Lord said to him, I have heard the prayer and plea you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. The temple is where God put his name forever. And God affirms the prayer of Solomon and he consecrates the temple with his own name. And then the king says to the king, uh, then God says to the king, verse 4, he says, If you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness as David your father did, and do all that I command, he goes on, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. Now, God will be faithful. The question he now posed to the king is, will you be faithful? And I have given you the way to be faithful, but will you be faithful? Now, as it goes on this last section in the king's, uh, in God's reply, he, he gives this warning. That's where we ended in our readings today in verse 6 to 9. He says this, but if you or your descendants turn away from me and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I've given them and will reject this temple I've consecrated for my name. 
Now, God will destroy the temple Solomon built if the king and his descendants turn away to worship other gods. Now, as someone in my Bible study, he puts it this way, the king's obedience preserved God's presence and God's promise, but the opposite is true. The king's disobedience will bring God's judgment and they will not enjoy God's promise. Now, everyone who sees the temple's fall will know it is God's judgment. Now, here's the thing as we read up to this point, why did the author of 1 Kings write so much about promises and the call for obedience? Because in the end, the readers of the book of the Kings are people who have witnessed the destruction of the temple. As they're reading, they're reading their history. As they look towards the city of David, they see the rubbles of the temple. That is their reality as they read about this dedication. Because here's how the book of the Kings really ended for the first readers who are reading. This is what it says right at the end in 2 Kings 25. This is what it says. Nebuzaradan, commander of the imperial guard and official of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every important building he burned down. It's the thing that as we read about this great dedication, the first readers who are reading them, they have already seen the downfall of the kingdom and of the temple, and they know that it is God's judgment. Because as they read, they realize the ark, of the, God, the ark of the Lord is gone, the temple is gone, the city is gone, we are now exiles out in this place. Is there really hope? Now, history tells us this, if you go on, that the temple eventually was finally rebuilt, but it was not the ultimate place to find God's name. Again and again, God's people and God's leader would just keep failing and failing. And the last temple to be built in the New Testament, it was a grand temple. It was burned down in, um, in AD 70, never to be built again. So here's the question as we took this journey and this grand dedication is, where do you and I find God now? Where do you find God Today, where do I find God and meet Him? Now, the scripture gives us the answer, and His answer is what we have read just now, that we need to go to the ultimate true temple of God. And it's not a place, but it's really a person. And we know that person is Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of David. And this is what the Gospel of John tells us in chapter 2 that we read just now. Now, here's the event that occurred in the responsive reading we have uh, earlier on. It was in John chapter 2, is what happens. Uh, it was almost time for the Jewish Passover. Jesus went out of Jerusalem, and when he enters the temple, people were just selling stuff. People were just exchanging money, and they were not praying to God. And the zeal of the Lord uh, was upon Jesus he overturns the table. The Jewish people, they were upset, but they can't pin Jesus down. So they said this to Jesus, what, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. They replied, well, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three, three days? But the temple as spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Now here's the reality that Jesus truly is the true temple of God because he did die 
Well, that's easy. But he rose from the dead three days later to prove that the temple of God rises up from the ashes and that God's people have access to God, but no longer in a building, but in the person. So dear friends, as we wrap up, where can we find God? And the answer is, it's not going to be a physical place and you will not be by the gurus we read on social media. You will not be by our own means and so-called spirituality. It's very objective. You want to find God, we go to His temple and pray to Him, knowing His nature and His promises. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the true temple. He's the one who says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. He's the one who says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So dear friends, as we wrap up, many of us or some of us will still go on with our Chinese New Year celebration or some of us will go back home and meditate uh, or snooze. Um, now this is a perfect time. It's a perfect time to think, what is that most precious relationship you really want to have a reunion with? What is really most important and precious to you? Who do we need for a perfect reunion? And today's passage tells us it is God. At the end of the day, it is God. And today, the way to God, the way to approach God for forgiveness, for restoration, is all laid out for us. The question is, will we take it up? That God has come. He called himself Emmanuel, God with us. But will we come back to him? There is always access. It's never too difficult. It is just impossible for us. But it's never too difficult because God has come to us. The question is, will we come back to him? Will we have that reunion that he offers to us? As we close this prayer, uh, this time in prayer, I'll just wrap up with this last verse, and this is God's promise, if you need one. It's from 2 Corinthians 1.20. This is what it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Because he is the greatest treasure, the true temple of God, and he has come to us. Will we come back to him? Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for Lunar New Year, where half the world will celebrate as a new year. We remember, God, that in this new start, where we enjoy reunion, the greatest reunion we want to have is with you, and you have offered us the way. We pray, God, as we uh, have this time of rest over this weekend, that you remind us that truly Christ is Emmanuel. Jesus is the true temple. And in him we find forgiveness, restoration, and a new kingdom. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for uh, the message today. Up on screen now uh, are the reflection questions. So I'll give us some time uh, to discuss uh, the two questions. What are the various ways people try to find God according to today's passage? And how can we meet God? The second question is, what do you pray for if and when you pray to God? So I'll give us some time uh, to discuss these questions with your neighbours. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.com.